0: Hi, everyone. Today I'm talking to Alona Sosunova, a director of engineering at Vinted and the founder of Tech Kinship, a community that strives to unite all and any humans in the tech world towards emotional and professional growth. During our conversation, we talked about software development, mission driven teams, agile coaching, and diversity and inclusion. Enjoy. Okay, Alona. Hello. Hello, good morning. Welcome to the Happy Developer Podcast. Hey, y'all. Hey, nice to see you here. So, okay, before we get into any topic in greater depth, it it would be great just to know how how are you doing lately? What's on your mind right now?
1: Yeah, so on my mind right now that I'm working from home with kids who is sick, so if somebody runs in suddenly, uh, don't be surprised, it happens.
0: So what's going on in your life right now? What are the highlights?
1: So right now, uh, we are, uh, I would not say that anymore in kicking uh, off, but uh, more in running tech-kenship, uh, a new initiative in Lithuania, which addresses uh, emotional health, uh, as well as diversity and inclusion, and in all the topics that we usually don't speak about, about imposter syndrome, about uh, emotions at work, uh, parenting uh, losses uh, the feeling that you're never ready to take on mm. the next trial uh, and many other topics actually even that uh, some of the people they don't really enjoy christmas and how they feel during those so it's more uh, making okay to talk uh, about bad emotions good emotions any emotions uh, and together found uh, where is that line where it's still acceptable at work and where it's not anymore.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Actually that's one of the things I was thinking of discussing with you and it's great that you started talking about that, but maybe before we jump into this, it would be great to talk about tech in general. And I have a philosophical question to you, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, sure. So
0: you talk relatively extensively about your experience as well. On various platforms and in various in television and various news portals and um and that many people already covered a lot of ground with you so i don't want to go into topics that you already talked a lot about just not to get you bored too much but still i would like to give people some context about you so you're you're an interesting case in my opinion so you are someone who worked in major tech companies like CSC, now called DXC Technology? You worked at Atform. Now you are a director of engineering at Vinted, right? Yeah. For those who don't know, Vinted is our first unicorn in Lithuania. We are very proud of that. And uh, it's a big responsibility, I can imagine. Now, the other thing is that, as you also talked in, in many places, you are you're not a, you're not an IT person in that yeah. narrow I'm director
1: of engineering without engineering background.
0: Exactly. Uh, you, if I understand correctly, you never studied computer science. You studied political science, right? Yeah. Um. But still, you led projects um, as a project manager. You were a team team manager. Now you're a director of engineering. You are. You were, if, or are, if I understand correctly, as a mentor at Women Go Tech, another initiative that helps women to get into and empower them. Now you're one of the co-founders of Tech inch right? So there's a lot of tech in what you're doing. Now, the philosophical question is this. Would you consider yourself a developer? No. Why?
1: Uh... The fun thing that according to Gallup strength Finder, one of my top three, uh, three strengths is the developer, uh, but I don't consider myself being an engineer. Yes, I am developer of the systems, uh, of the products, uh, but not an engineer, let's say. So it depends how you uh, choose uh, to use word uh, developer. Uh, and all my career, I was uh, actually challenged. How can you lead the IT project, Without IT background, how you can lead uh, engineering team without engineering background. Data on how can you lead department or organization without engineering background. Uh, and of course, uh, there is always uh, a borderline, and uh, there should be a balance. So uh, I understand IT terms. In in ten years in tech, of course, you get acknowledged with them. Uh, I can explain architecture on high level. I understand why we are using certain technologies, certain processes, but other best practices. But I never wrote a single line of code myself. uh, And I didn't study that in university. Uh, But I do believe that, uh, especially in tech, uh, it's not just about the engineering effort. We have so many extremely talented engineers who are very good in technical concepts. And I do believe that my strength is to create organization which enables them to thrive and to work more evi- uh, efficiently and, uh, as I say, not to disturb them to work.
0: Exactly.
1: Uh, and I do believe that this strength is uh, not less important and on a c- certain level, it becomes even more important than deeply understanding the technology uh, or exact way of implementing
0: certain things. Mm-hmm. So... Your short answer was no but if if i interpret it correctly the long answer is yes in my, in my understanding I'm not so, an
1: engineer yep. okay okay but uh, let's stop but here but i do believe that uh, but let's uh, stop
0: here Alana. Don't, yeah. don't don't jump don't jump so what's what's in your understanding what's the key difference between a engineer a software engineer and a software developer For me, there is a difference.
1: I do believe that for every term you can attach attach certain meaning and it doesn't change the concept itself or how you identify yourself. So for me, it's more play of words, honestly, uh, because uh, you can call yourself a software developer and don't have uh, a mindset of developing the product organization and so on. And you can be called software engineer uh, and call yourself an engineer and uh, have all of that.
0: So, great. So, because in my understanding, uh, you are a software developer. And the, the meaning that I attach to this word, to this word is a person who participates in the software development process. And I think that it's also a topic that is very related to the idea of diversity. You talked about inclusion in the context of tech-kinship. And, you know, I had a conversation with one of my friends, past clients, Thomas Patras-Rupchis at Wix right now. And he made me cry during this conversation. And the way he did it is when we were discussing, let's say, different ways how people contribute to the tech area. And I told him that, I was working as a counselor and that the majority of my clients are in tech. In the past, I worked as an IT recruiter. So I had to understand what it's like to be DevOps engineer, what it's like to be a project manager, what it's like to be agile consultant so that I would be able to, one, identify these profiles, and second, be able to build a relationship with these people by using those concepts that you, that you mentioned and show that I have at least some understanding about these things. And the way he made me cry is then he told me that uh, one of the core problems in software development is naming things. And people like you, for example, those people who are said to be working on the high level, which also a strange thing, you know, they, they are experts at naming things, identifying problems talking about these problems there were whether it's technical problems emotional problems and you said that in my view you are a software developer and that made me cry for some reason because i never saw myself as like you maybe said that not a developer but now i think fuck it maybe maybe i am maybe in some sense i am and maybe in some sense you are so what, what would be your take on that
1: the word i am using is creator so you yeah. are either are part of creating uh, the things or mm. not uh, and maybe for me just the word developer is uh, overused in so mm. many concepts that uh, i don't uh, see that bigger picture anymore of it because it's just uh, maybe used too much uh on the other hand uh, i don't uh, like n- Actually, I don't like uh, any of the wording, neither programmer nor developer nor engineer because uh, at the end of the day, it's still about the meaning that we attach to
0: this word. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, so on a practical level, maybe it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you have to achieve a certain result. Uh, how you name certain things, whether it's programmer, developer, uh, maybe it's not the most important thing, although you know to be honest with you there are many organizations who are going through restructurizations right now changing or- organizational structure changing responsibilities changing titles and people do attach a lot of meaning to those titles maybe for you it's not that important but for people who carry that title it is and i guess that's also one of the problems that we might get into is the identity problem because people do do identify themselves with what they do, you know? And uh, maybe for someone who who hears that, okay, it doesn't matter who are you, programmer, engineer, developer, the person might have difference of opinion in this. And, uh, but nevertheless, speaking of that idea of developer or creator, okay? So Alana considers herself a creator. And um, what do you think, is the most difficult problem right now you are dealing with as a creator?
1: Actually, one of uh, more interesting problems. Uh, maybe it's not the major ones, but I do believe that the concept of uh, super stable uh, no teams which uh, are going through the stages of storming, norming, performing, uh, and it usually takes according to the literature from two to five months, and that you should aim to keep them stable and long lived uh, like forever. (laughs) Uh, It's not uh, something which uh, is reflecting nowadays realities anymore. Uh, On the other hand, we're so used to this concept that uh, it's very hard for us to let it go and go away from that. And that uh, sometimes those teams, long-lived teams, they actually become like families, like very close communities, which very hardly uh, let someone in or let someone out. And this is uh, not becoming, this is very nice, uh, but sometimes it's becoming a thing which is not helping you to perform, but uh, on the opposite, uh, which uh, makes uh, organizational growth and the uh, fast uh, implementation of the strategy and uh, competition harder.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess you're you're getting into the topic of mission-driven teams. We talk about previously when we met, right?
1: Uh, yeah, overall, uh, I think that nowadays we we'll live uh, in the environment uh, where uh, we should learn how to work efficiently within the, our organization our culture uh, with the fast building track of trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cannot let ourselves uh, build teams or trust within the teams for two, five months anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: it's simply not true not realistic because then it slowed down. It's a big organization when you want to scale a lot. Uh, on the other hand, uh, it's very important to have, uh, to, gr- to let specialists grow within the domain, not just, uh, I do believe that back and, simply back and front and engineer, uh, which is thrown from one team to another, from one scope to another, uh, without getting deep exercise in one domain, uh, as well, doesn't really help neither for organization nor the person. And then the whole concept, how uh, we change the teams, uh, how we project personal growth, it's simply changing recently, and it, part of that is uh, the solution or maybe the way where I would like to go is mission driven teams. Uh, but more overall dynamic reteaming process uh, that uh, maybe the team you are belonging to is not anymore the core concept we're building organizations around. Mm -hmm. We're building them not around the teams, but we are uh, building them around the vision and mission where organization wants to go. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that uh, team concept, that it should be, uh very long-lived uh very stable uh it seems like like it comes from agile but in reality mm. if, if you dig into this more it doesn't it's not stated anywhere but it somehow became a concept uh, which is uh, which became value itself uh, but, Um but i think that nowadays uh, it doesn't make sense anymore
0: mm. yeah i think that um it's also tied to the idea of commitment that a person has to be like committed for many years to the organization for organization to flourish and and then if we have a lot of turnover a lot of attrition then it's impossible to grow and i think it's also one of those assumptions that maybe are made in this particular context now if you allow me to push back a little bit uh i guess it's important to identify the framework or context where we are coming from because i guess in product-driven organizations where you are working maybe on a particular maybe marketplace let's say like Vinted maybe it indeed seems that a team is like a core constituent that we build our organizational structure around but for example in let's say uh, project-driven teams that might be working on maybe three or four projects at the same time especially in those smaller agencies where maybe there's less buzz and it's just you have to get the work done and you know and you do it the way you do it you know and there some engineers do indeed emphasize this frustration that they are put from one team to another and there's difficult to build that trust in a very short time and it's also difficult to get into the new product especially there's a lot of legacy so that. Switching between projects, you know, it's one of the key frustrations among software developers. And now I would just like to get your thinking around that. So what do you think would be a good way on the one hand to be flexible and dynamic and to be able to create that trust as fast as possible, but at the same time overcome this challenge of basically making people unproductive in a way? What do you think?
1: So uh, maybe what's the difference uh, between project-based organization and project-driven uh, teams and mission-driven teams? So uh, mission for me is a kind of the domain which you are trying to improve and you become an expert of this domain. For example, domain could be search. So basically in whatever mission you go, you go as search expert, as a search engineer, meaning who knows the technology, who knows how to solve that exact problem. And you are improving your domain, but you can improve that in multiple initiatives and ways.
0: Not necessarily with coding, for example, in many different ways.
1: It could be. It could be with uh, architecturing or consulting other teams or... uh, Uh, being data scientist or designer, so it doesn't matter in which role you are, but more that you're an expert of the mission of improving, for example, of of solving certain problems of the customer. And then uh, there could be multiple initiatives related to that, but you always are acting as an expert of that domain, and that's the core difference that uh, you're still having one big context in your mind and one core domain. And of course, it's harder maybe when uh, you're implementing different projects for the clients, for example, and it could be harder applicable. But when you are creating your own product mm-hmm. and evolving that, you're still focusing on the single part of the product. You're not switching the context for many different, that one day you're a search expert, another day, I know some security one, third day, uh, something else, because it's lots of contexts then become like, uh, they should be exploding your brains, mm-hmm. especially when you have to switch through the card and very different uh, content. And um, on top of that, even though that we have one bigger, the main area of expertise and bigger mission, that we're still creating virtual teams within that. And then as an engineer, you focus on single things instead of having backlog as a team of, you know, of 10 topics and switching during the planning implementations and so on through 10 different topics. You focus just on one. And that's as well correlates with the uh, such values as focus and stop starting, start finishing things. So basically, you are iterating and working on one mission. And mission can last for a month or it can last for two years. So basically, it, it really depends from uh, from the mission size. But mission is always oriented around not end goal as a project. The end scope is this one, implement that one. Now it's uh, it's about the customer problem. So basically, your mission is to solve the problem but Mm -hmm. not to very clearly define the scope and say like, these are the tasks, please implement them. Mm -hmm. And that's as well a a difference that you are creating uh, and acting as developer or creator uh, of the solution which actually solves the customer problem or organization problem and let you iterate many times and be on the mission, but within one context, and with growing within one area, start to love what you are doing mm-hmm. and, and become uh, as an expert, stronger and stronger, different, uh, maybe seeing different angles of the same things, but uh, still um, working on the mm-hmm. related missions, not being thrown to very different scopes. Mm-hmm. Uh, while in project-based organization, the context could be completely different. That's one thing that one day you can be search engineer and another day you may become privacy engineer mm-hmm. and you have uh, if you work on three or four uh, scopes and, and in parallel it should be like really hard to switch the focus another on. thing that in projects you have very clear scope defined and end goal and and when it's finished while in mission when you are developing certain part of uh, the product it's quite ongoing, it's quite long way to go and long mission to go and ambitious one. So um, yeah, it's, it, there is quite a difference. On the other hand, I do believe that if you say that I want to work uh, in certain team, which for example, usually it has front-end engineers, we have back end engineers, we have uh, design, uh, we have uh, DSA, uh product manager team lead and we say we want to make everything in certain team then what happens that uh, you realize that for certain um uh, implementation you need a ml engineer i need to have one so what do you do you say okay we will not do that scope we don't have that uh, person or we hire him into the team and then there is a problem oh we don't have work for front end so front end thing is figure out what you do for a month then later on we will have uh, work for you and they go and do something else and then we have not uh, neither effective organization and i think that one of the worst thing for engineers uh, is uh, to feel that uh, they don't really have what to do or they have to figure out on mm-hmm. their own what to do and that's super demotivating while uh, if we work more in some domains or dynamic reteaming model we will always have what to do we can we, because we can open up new missions we can Say that in this team, we need ML and backend. In this one, maybe we need to uh, double down on, uh, on the front end engineers. And then you have, as an organization, much more flexibility on the tactical level, still uh, retaining some of the boundaries and context, uh, which uh, will not affect a person's, uh, I would say, brain capacity to work on uh, uh, very different and lots of contexts.
0: Mm-hmm. got it. so in a way, I'm not sure if i if I will be able to pick every benefit, but several benefits that popped into my mind were when we were talking is one of the benefits is that you have this flexibility. so in a mission driven team, essentially you can you are able to switch resources. I understand that a resource is a bad word. yeah, maybe, maybe a competencies. So for example, if you have in a ML or machine learning engineer in a one team, and maybe that team is missing. Maybe you can share that person, and if the person is able to build trust, not
1: share. It's it's a them. rule of thumb that uh, you can work on single mission at the single time. So meaning sharing between two teams, it's not going to happen. So you you belong to one mission then. But uh, uh, the the difference maybe within one. Let's say so is manager-driven team. So meaning the team is the one manager manages. Uh, And another one is more self-selecting. So we say that on that mission we need certain expertise. And then uh, even the people coming to that mission can tell whether they can contribute or not. And the word that during some planning process. Uh, we said most probably we will need search engineers there, but during the planning process, they said, no, we don't have what to do there. We go to another mission.
0: Exactly. Uh,
1: and that, uh, this is where I was them- getting. Yeah. yeah, so it's basically people themselves can uh, partially choose and say whether they can contribute for these trends or not. That's one thing. Uh, and then on the uh, uh, other hand, it's exactly prevent us from sharing people in terms of that they 50% of the time work on one thing and yeah. 50% of the time on another uh, and then the entity which we say that we believe uh, we belong is not uh, anymore uh, a team it's more subdomain or domain uh, that you are working on
0: so essentially it's not that a person is working at, like in a project concept a context on different projects at the same time it's just that if for example a person solved Once mission, the person can go to a different problem. And it doesn't mean that the person has to work as the ML engineer forever in the same team. So I guess that's, okay, so that's one of the benefits. Another benefit I think you mentioned is that, at least maybe directed to, is that when a person is focused on a mission, there's more room for creativity, I guess, because when you're just assigned to do tasks, your mission is to do a task. But if your job is to work on a mission, so it's a much more broader context and you can look at the problem from very different angles and contribute in very different ways. And I guess I can imagine that an NML engineer, maybe the person's expertise is machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence, but maybe there are other ways how the person can contribute to the mission. And the person I can imagine is empowered to contribute also with other skills as well if a person has them.
1: Yep. For me, there is always uh, it's a tricky question. Like, of course, everybody has uh, their opinion, for example, on design matter, what design we should choose. Uh, But then um, I think that currently in the market, in some of the companies and some of the teams, not at all of them, of course, we got into the situation uh, where there is a lithuanian song like uh, we are all designers so uh, basically that every ma- team member's opinion on every matter is treated as the same uh, voice let's say so like each if we vote for design we have 10 people and uh, there's voting and uh, actually the design Uh, is uh, provided by user experience uh, uh, specialist, right? And he's an expert in that. And then his voice is treated equally to five engineers' voice, like five versus one, oops, you lost. Go and do another design. Yeah, but
0: Alona, if you allow me to interrupt that, I think that's a different thing. So one is opinion. For me, opinion is not expertise. It's just some output that can be based on opinion anecdotes maybe some idea how it should look like and then it's expertise and if let's say an ml engineer is also a strong architect when it comes to building architecture and the person is aware of different principles how a system might look like for solving that particular problem so there is expertise now what you're getting at i think it's like the problem of democracy where people just start like quoting, and i think it's 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 not 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 yeah, the, the exactly.
1: thing we're talking so, about. Yeah, so yes to what you say Okay. and no and uh, catch yourself within the teams because in many soft cultures where it's big inclusion culture and uh, where we want to include everybody, mm-hmm. we slip that line and mm-hmm. we go into democracy uh, diminishing expertise. And I think that lots of things, uh, lots of the teams have to catch themselves if they are doing that. Because it's so easy to do and have opinion on everything, especially when you are for a long time on the mission. Because when you're getting a task, it's harder to do that. But when you are two in, in two years listening for user researches and so on, it's so easy to delete that line when everybody has opinion on everything. Because we have lots of content, lots of history. Then it's very important to still remember who's the who owns accountability for the decision and let that person be the one who is uh, at the end we can disagree and still commit
0: but now that's not that's another problem you i'm not sure if you are aware but you hinted to it that when you have a traditional team like maybe a long term team you get into the problem of uh, too much expertise where a person is too much ingrained into the project the person knows too much and the fact that the person knows too much makes the person too biased because the person listens so long to the client's problems that the person feels that he or she is the expert or they are the experts and in a mission driven team in a way you kind of reduce this because people are more on an equal page And then it's not the case of how much of experience you have in a particular domain or mission-driven team. The thing is, how are you able to argue or provide solution to a particular problem? And I think that argument of authority is also a problem that we face into these discussions when it comes to finding for solutions. And and many junior developers, I I have some in my counseling practice, they're so fearful to say something that, you know, then you get into... HR people looking for systematic ways to solve this, and then they say, oh, no, we have to listen to everyone. But then it doesn't matter what the person has to say because maybe some junior developer indeed doesn't have to say and another junior developer does have to say something. So working on this problem, Alana, right now, so what could be like a more flexible way to include people in these mission-driven teams where, on the one hand, you focus on expertise, focus on con- competence, but at the same time, you don't push down creativity, you don't push down new ideas, new original thinking. Some maybe junior person might not have domain experience, but the person might provide a very good theoretical solution that can also work if it can be tuned by experts. So what could be like the middle ground in this? What do you think?
1: I believe that there is no it's not about mission-driven teams or stable teams, it's more about the culture
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and about our beliefs. Uh, I do believe that very stable teams in some, uh, as you mentioned, in some period of their lifetime, uh, they reach stagnation and then a little bit changing uh, either the scope or team composition it really helps. Just uh, usually we're changing uh, just in one way, it's like moving one person to another team or adding a new person to to the team uh on the other hand what for example we did lately we pulled everybody back to one single big team and based one pool. on mission yeah one pool and then based on mission, uh adding on top people's preferences and expertise we form much smaller team so uh, if usual engineering team is around 10 people 10 12 with all the um, uh, the uh, data or business uh, analytics uh, product manager if we count all the roles it's usually around ten people so virtual teams can be three of course if they don't need for example some of the capabilities uh, so it's not really about uh, the way you structure yeah but it's more about the culture which you introduce and uh, Agreements, Because I do believe that it's important to voice uh, a prompt that we listen to everybody, but we account on expertise uh, and uh, give feedback for people. Because, yes, as you mentioned, there are less experienced engineers in one field, but they're very talented, for example, in user insights or something else, knowing each other's strengths and asking, pulling for those strengths. I even know some of the engineers who are super silent, super. It's so hard to, I don't know, make them say anything, but they start to talk in one particular point of time when they disagree. Mm-hmm. And if you make this, and, and then on the one hand, it may sound that they are always negative,
0: Yeah, exactly. that they
1: just disagree. On the other hand, if you know this about that personality, Uh, then uh, we reach the point when that person speaks up, everybody is so still and everybody listens for every word because the person stated that. There are so many people who talk. So when I agree, I just, I'm silent. But when I disagree, then I talk. And then you don't treat anymore that person as negative. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there are people who take lots of uh, uh, room, let's say so, then even giving the feedback that we got it like but uh, and and explaining why you are not talking straight to the point uh but do the eye rolling uh it's as well not uh, a healthy one so it's more for me about the team dynamics and about talking very honestly to each other Mm -hmm. how much room you take and like is it uh what is the volume you are playing is it uh, too silent or too low uh, uh too actually um too much too loud um and especially with the senior person for Mm -hmm. me the senior person is not the one who dictates but the one who is able as well to grow and to listen to others and that's for me is true seniority Mm -hmm. so i'd say that none of the compositions can solve this problem alone by creating some kind of the system
0: yeah i mean you're also hitting a nail on it another problem, I guess, and it's the process. I, I'm not sure if there's a term for that, but I think it's a process fetish where we try to think that a process will somehow solve everything. We will go through a agile transformation. We will put themes you know, in a certain compositions. And then for some reason, somehow everything will be solved just because the process somehow makes one's magic. You know, And what you're getting at is that, okay, processes, or techniques or tools are important, but important is also the team culture. Uh, we al- already talked about building trust. Uh, we talked about be- being able to listen to people and providing space. We talked about also about understanding your teammates and realizing that just because one is, uh, you know, disagreeing doesn't mean that the person is disagreeing to everything. You know, So there's a lot of place for understanding, for compassion, for, for empathy. Now, the question is, how to create that? You know, how, wh- what can we do to, in a way, provide this psychological safety? You know, I once thought that agile coaches might work on that. But those I talked to, I noticed that there's still a lot of focus on the processes and uh i once wrote about that that there are like agile coaches and agile coaches and i think there are too many agile coaches who are experts in the process experts in the philosophy experts in the way how to do things but they are less comfortable about working on that team dynamics aspect about um getting to know people understanding their phenomenology or subjective experience that's you know no, we are experts on the process, and our job is to make sure that the process creates value to the to the to the company and they they are like more trainers than coaches but now for example you you are also someone who is trained a bit in coaching and that modern coaching and the idea that facilitating thinking providing space for thinking providing space for feelings I think tech kinship does similar things so just help me go uh, help me leave this kingdom of mirrors because in my biased world it seems that the bias is towards the process but i would like to believe that more and more agile coaches are going to the different direction so i guess that's a good point to talk about agile what 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 would be your take on that on that dichotomy process versus team dynamics
1: as ex-agile coach the most hated word from for me is agile i try not to use it at all
0: and the uh, term agile coach is agile, the most hated word. Why?
1: In uh, uh, overall uh, term agile, because um, mm.
0: uh,
1: for me agile is a noun. So meaning it's written from the small word. When we say agile, it's like a building mm. <laughs> or a framework. From capital A. And, uh, yeah, from capital A. So this in, in the agility for me it's like truly the flexibility of organization and the ability to adopt and the same for the team. I don't believe that every team needs to do scrum or shouldn't do. Or, and I do agree with some of the agile coaches and consulting saying that any framework is just a starting point because then you have to evolve and create yourself. And what we usually forget, it's why we're doing things in a certain way. When I used to be agile consultant, so, I come to the teams and they're doing certain things. And I'm asking why. So, do you know what's the idea behind that? And people cannot explain. They know how, what they have to do according to the framework. Yeah. They cannot explain me why. What's the whole idea of story point? They cannot explain why. What's the idea of daily stand up at all?
0: But you know, if to allow me to, to push back a bit, uh, if you allow me to use a metaphor, if I ask my clients, Let's say it's, it's a metaphor, I'm a psychologist. So if I had to ask my client, in this case, not a team, but an individual person, why am I why the person is responding to mirroring? Why the the person is responding to my empathy? Why I'm asking certain questions and not other questions. So that's like a back and That's the methodology that, that we as you know experts try to use to help the person. And it's an inter- interesting question if a person has to understand what is going on like on under the you know under the the roof under under the, in the back end you know of the system and the way you argue it seems that the team should understand why they use certain methodology but maybe they shouldn't
1: in my personal opinion they should because okay. uh The why is the core thing. What we aim to achieve with certain every single meeting process. Otherwise, let's not do that. Because Mm. we all know that meetings overall, we don't like them. It's a waste of time. And actually, if we just do them for the sake of doing them, it's much better not to do them at all. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that exactly in the way teams work, we should be very conscious about why we do every step. But it's the same in the engineering and developing the system. You're asking yourself like, can you cut this part if you don't need that? So it's the same with the processes uh, because it's so easy to make such a heavy weighted process for a team to kill it almost. So in this particular context, it's very important that agile coach not just work with the putting in place the system, but explaining each of the parts and why would you do that? So that people could understand. And you can do that both ways. So one way is to establish the process and say like, just do that. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. And with some of the team, it's faster approach, but still you explain them why you think. Uh, and then later on, you iterate on that. But another, I would say, bad thing, it's when agile coaches become like coaches. I even... Uh,
0: coaches in what sense explain the Uh, that coaches in what
1: sense like when you're coaching the person to find the answers where you actually should uh, act as an expert and tell those answers so coaching could be when in in the places where the person is capable to come up with the answer in the decent amount of time but when uh, people ask how we should estimate and a coach asks, so what do you think how you should estimate when people have no clue and no knowledge about the framework so it's simply where uh, by the book by the framework it should work how do you think why it's not working like you tell me you're an expert of the framework so sometimes when you go too much into the coaching manner
0: but that's not coaching alana the, what, but it's question. called
1: coaching, yeah, exactly. But it's called coaching in our culture, and that's the bad thing about coaching mm-hmm. because uh, even notice. Uh, so now you coach me, and coach me means that you brainwash me.
0: I don't and believe then... that. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, 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 yeah.
1: I don't believe that neither. But if you go to and do the corridor test, but did
0: you do research on that?
1: I did many corridor tests. Actually, talking to people. And the most hated word is coaching, Mm -hmm. because coaching usually is I'm going to coach you and coach you, meaning that uh, I'm uh, with the questions. I will lead you to the answer, which Mm -hmm. I want you to say. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's why we spoiled coaching overall. And it's very hard for people to believe in coaches. Who are asking, uh, who are actually more partner of the conversations, helping you to come up with the answer yourself without any opinion on what is real, real coaching is. But uh, instead, uh, without uh, knowing what coaching is, uh, people uh, call themselves coaches and lead you to some certain answer, yeah. and you feel that you are manipulated. Indeed. And some of the uh, agile coaches do that. And I experienced that myself and, and some of the interactions with yeah. different organizations and different experts. And then it doesn't feel like coaching. It feels like, can you just save my time and tell me the answer I uh, you want oh, me to tell it's, you? It's
0: psychopathy. Uh, look, uh, so this is the problem I, I wanted to talk to you because you're I see you also as an agile professional, professional once was an agile consultant if I understand correctly. So uh, let me pick, uh, pick my brains on that. So... And and I think it's a good way to I de- define terms. So so there is like okay so there is that, in my estimation there's a agile trainer or consultant. So that's the person who knows why to do things, how to do things. That's the person who understands the framework or the variety of frameworks. That that's the person who realizes what framework is might be suitable for a particular purpose that's also the person who is able to ask those questions why guys are you guys okay that's a bad term right now but nevertheless why people you are using uh scrum why are you using xp or whatever you know but still it's a trainer you know it's a consultant and uh, i feel that those people who are trained as consultants or trainers they should Keep consulting and training. Now, because market is changing and the word coaching is due to International Coaching Federation standards, it's becoming a different thing. It's not about consulting. It's not about training. It's not about providing knowledge. It's not about even sometimes facilitating knowledge. It's about being a thinking partner in a way what certain psychotherapists do. But now, okay, some agile coaches now who call themselves coaches, they see this trend. I'm just psychoanalyzing. I don't have research, but I'm just psychoanalyzing. They say, okay, so I should be also a coach, but I am a coach because I called myself a coach for 10 years. So I should do coaching because I am, I am a coach. And then they get on a short Udemy course about how to coach teams. Oh, so that's about asking questions. I can ask questions. Oh, that's about providing feedback. I can provide feedback. And then you get into the situations where you ask a question. So why do you think this framework is wrong? No, I didn't say that. You said that. Why do you think it's wrong? So tell me, as you said. And you know, the problem is that it's a difficult thing to coach or have a proper conversation where you're able to mirror what the person said you are helping the person from their internal knowledge internal resources come up with a solution come up with an idea it's time consuming as well you it's difficult to do that like in 20 minutes you can do it in 30 minutes but still it can take time and also the person might be in you know in anxiety in stress and then you have some mental health experience so so that's why i guess i was trying to define the difference between an agile coach and agile trainer. And for me, when agile coaches are trainers, that's fine for me. But when they are becoming agile coaches without the coaching expertise, I think that's a different problem. Now, the different question is, would I like to agile coaches to be coaches in that modern sense? Yes, I do. And I think this is what they need to create those, facilitate those mission driven teams, because without that, you won't be able to facilitate trust. You will facilitate some artificial artificial I, thing. What do you I think, I agree Aron? with you
1: from what I see in the market. Like out of 10 coaches, maybe one has coaching expertise, like real expertise as a coaching in, in that ICF, for example, defined way. Uh, and my personal story is I used to be agile coach and have that title but uh, then when uh, i went to like real icf courses and did the all all those uh, tens uh, of hours uh, of coaching uh, training and later on practices i realized that i was a very bad coach in terms of coaching because uh, it was not coaching it was coaching you to the certain because the coaching starts itself from uh, the position that you don't know the answer and that you're open to hear any and that you don't want to direct person to certain answer when uh, it's agile coach i think that it would be better because it's coach in terms of trainer of mm-hmm. coach like a team coach yeah uh, as a sports from mm-hmm. the terminology that comes from sports but not which comes from uh, uh actually coaching uh, like uh, a methodology or uh in in ICF defined terms Mm. for example and uh, I do believe that even how those terms uh, came up where uh, history of the word is completely different uh, but it sounds the same looks like the same uh, and then you're very often attached to the same meaning Uh, and it's super rare case when you can expect real coaching from the agile coach uh, where he uh, or she is an expert in because they don't invest so much in coaching ex- expertise why? Uh,
0: they should it seems
1: they should uh, but even you know those who for me coaching why is, sorry uh, alona
0: why did you invest because I understand that you are now a director of in- engineering at it's yeah. like a competency that a high level executive should have and often have but- I,
1: I went to, to study coaching for very simple reasons. I catched myself that uh, I know too many answers, up front. And uh, I exactly went to those uh, to that journey to unlearn knowing the answers mm. and to unlearn biasing people, because mm. if you are a manager or a leader, whoever, uh, and manager is not actually a bad word in this term because, oh. uh, and uh, I think that uh, it's wrong that we are afraid to use it anymore. Uh, but uh, when you are a manager and you know many answers up pr- front, uh, you are a shitty manager uh, for senior people, especially. Maybe for junior, it's a better one, but for senior experts, it's, it's a very bad thing if you know the answers up pr- front. And actually, it narrows down as well your creativity and the things which you can achieve. And that's why I uh, studied coaching. And I did all those exercises. And for me, it was sometimes, uh, it's so hard. And even now, uh, through uh, my one-on-one, we always agree uh, what session you wanted to be should it be me as your manager and you or is it a coaching session because if it's a coaching session I'm not your manager anymore because if I have a hat of my manager I have to direct you to some uh, answers but sometime. that's an assumption
0: then, you know you don't it's have It's
1: not to. actually because you don't um, have to.
0: that's um, that's not being a manager I think if I think it's a matter of taste but if you allow me to like put a diagram. For me, a manager is a manager that it is what it is. And then you have different hats. And one hat is to be an expert where you provide guidance. One hat is maybe a coach where you just listen and provide space. And in my understanding, manager, you know, just, just because someone is not qualified as a coach and maybe is not an expert doesn't mean that the person is not a manager. The person is a manager that uses different competencies.
1: Let's discuss the case.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: employee came to, comes to you, uh, and you have a team. Maybe a leader, it comes right?
0: to you because I'm not a manager. Yeah. That's, okay. A,
1: employee yeah. comes to me, and I have a team of uh, 10 people, leaders I'm mm-hmm. managing. Uh, and we are discussing that that person is particularly mad on another person from the team. They have conflict. We're uh, digging into why. So I'm trying to do that in a coaching style without any. I don't know. Just from the curiosity, being being curious, be the coaching partner, and then that person is telling me what he or she is planning to do, what kind of conversation to have, like today, later on, <laughs> and I see that it will be it will be bad. Disaster. The person, mm-hmm. Uh, leaves that room and still goes and have that conversation, there will be collateral damage, which we can like avoid. And as a coach, immediately in that part, in my mind, even though that I'm still trying to coach, I already have a big interest to prevent that conversation because it affects me, it affects the team, it affects the relationship between those two persons. And that immediately, that moment, I stop becoming a coach. Because simply then my answer, you should not do that. (laughs) Why? I can tell you why. And of course, when I see that we have one-on-one for one hour, 10 minutes left, that person still has opinion that go and fight. And I know that the plan is go and fight like one hour after the meeting. So no time to go and produce. Then I have to prevent some of the action simply and say like,
0: okay. Okay, I get I get the point, and basically, if I understand you correctly, the way the the thing you're getting at is that there are certain situations where, for the manager, it's important to prevent certain outcomes. And I totally feel you on this. Now, in some interview, you said that one of the important things that a manager should be able to do is allow people to fail, and sometimes really really fail and you know if i I will still push back a little bit so if you're that manager you know that person who is listening to the person's idea of how the conflict should be resolved right and you feel that oh boy or oh girl mm, that's that might be disastrous in my experience that didn't seem to work and i feel that it can be the same in your situation but i'm not sure because i'm a biased person my experience might not be your experience but this is how i see what do you think about that
1: i believe that there should be a balance
0: so but like- look 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 yeah yeah just just to finish so this this would be an example of what i do as a coach because for me as a coach it's okay to share guidance as long as it's contracted with a client and if the client expects to understand certain things let's say understanding difference between depression or anxiety the person feels that it's important to hear my side of the story how i went through a certain experience it's allowed to do that and in those introductory courses cli- uh, coaches newbie coaches are forbidden to th- to do that because you can can make mistakes but when you are any more expert level it's okay to do that and i think managers especially should be empowered to do that because it's their experience this is what people are coming for now the question is how you are providing this experience and if you are just trying to nail with a hammer on that and don't do that that will be wrong you will fail and if the person is disagreeable the person might transfer that okay now you're being my mother and you're forbidding me to do something i will do that because i i want to be a disagreeable child you know so and if you're just keeping that distance from a coaching perspective sharing that experience but not forcing it it's still coaching in my understanding it's coaching and being a good manager but maybe i'm wrong
1: but uh yes and no for me it's uh, like I do believe that uh, in managerial, um, when you are a manager, coaching is just one tool.
0: that you yeah, have. totally
1: you have many others, right? And that to use that um, to ensure that people don't get defensive of you using that, you should name that. That like it's it's for me in my experience much easier than we say like because expectations towards the manager and coach they differ.
0: But look, Alona, why I should call, why you as a manager should call it a coaching? It's just a conversation. And the problem is when this style is not natural to you. If you're used to giving advice all day, every day, and then suddenly you come from training and you start talking as a psychotherapist, of course the person will be defensive. But if it's your natural way of problem solving, just being patient, not Forcing anything, but still providing guidance in a relaxed, calm way, maybe even an emotional way, because it's also some form of your being, you know. But you're still provide that space. You're not dominating the conversation. I think it's still coaching in the sense it's still a way how you have conversations, and I think you can have that full-fledged coaching where you don't give answers in a coaching style. Mm-hmm. But you can also provide advice, help, and guide person step by step, also in a coaching style. That it's not dominating the whole conversation, and you can, on.
1: but not with the people who have experience with the coach.
0: But coaches, because, I mean. Yep. like not in because, the true sense.
1: Uh, yep, the, uh, because uh, those people they are allergic for the way when you start asking questions because they immediately feel unsafe and they immediately feel that you try to guide them somewhere and they stop thinking and they start to be defensive so if people had inter- interaction with coaches which actually are more manipulators as they call them meaning who guide you to some particular yeah. and many people in this way, you know, fucking so many had such experience that uh, with the with these people the only thing which works for me is telling that now I will be in the coaching mode, I will be asking questions I will have no opinion and uh, I will like more, I, I will have opinion when you ask me but let's just try to figure out what's bothering you and for me that was the thing which helped me to build relationship and now as you mentioned maybe having that introduced into our conversation without being pushed back because people say uh, feel safe with me that they know that if i'm asking it's not because they want to guide them somewhere
0: but we're not disagreeing alona we're not disagreeing because what you describe is like the core contracting you don't do things without the consent of the other person okay. and the way you would describe it is that okay now i would like to use a different conversation style i explain this let's say you get that pushback you're curious, you try to learn, okay, what's going on? Because I see that you're skeptical. And the person says, oh, because I had this awful experience and I don't want to guide me somewhere. And now you say, oh, wow, because I was not thinking of doing that. So, and then you build that ground. And maybe next time the person, as you said, will be much safer. So I guess the problem you're mentioning is that two problems, maybe one, when managers feel that they have to talk in a coaching manner In every single way. So that's one problem every single time. Another problem is when managers feel that they don't have to explain because they are afraid to explain what they are doing in the conversation. That's another problem. And I think if you are curious about the person's bad experience with coaching and you're trying to contract maybe a different hat, and I think the same is with giving advice, it's strange that we don't contract this. Because maybe the person doesn't want your advice, but you are pushing it because you want to feel expert.
1: And actually, that's exactly the problem with uh, many agile coaches mm. that they're coaching. Uh, in Lithuanian, it would be outlier, but it's like uh, nurture. I
0: nurture, I think it's, it's nurt-
1: not nurture, but it's like when you talk to your kids, like you shouldn't behave like this.
0: Mm, got and it.
1: they do that with a question, like, do you think that it fosters healthy team dynamics? Such your behavior, like what? What can you that's answer opinion. to that question? That's, like, that's yeah. opinion. Uh, do you believe that uh, working like that uh, will help you to achieve better results? And the question itself coming like why do you think that what I propose is wrong and what you propose is right? So it's it's in questions, but they uh, either close them more statement. Or they are uh, the questions which ask you to defend yourself and your opinion. Uh, and uh, this is not that they do that from bad intent, but they are taught in a few hours' trainings to ask questions. And it's so hard when you're an expert and trainer and you actually know how to do the things, not to be on the one side. Um, they are placed with all, I would say, trainings of agile coaches. They are pushed in very bad position. On one side, they are an expert. On the other hand, they say you cannot be pushing and you can cannot tell people what Binary thinking. Yeah, you should uh, help them to come up with that idea. But sometimes how the hell I can come up with the idea I never knew existed. Like if I always ride a bicycle, how can I tell you what kind of car I want? I never used a car in my life, and then I expect you to be. And um, in one organization, I was consulting uh, one organization, and they said like, we want, Alana, "We want, we we need to talk to you," and like, "Yeah, but you have your own son idol coach. Why don't you talk to him or her?" And they like. Because they are telling us the theory. I ask how to solve this problem. They say, you can solve this this way or that way or that way or this way. How do you think? Which one is the best for you? And people say, like, after this conversation, we leave more puzzles than before that.
0: That's not that because, bad. Yeah. It, but, but, but that's not that bad. It's
1: not that bad if you're solving your personal problem, right? Okay. But if you if you need a fast medicine... Like if you go to the doctor because you have some dysfunction and headache and they Mm -hmm. say, you can use this medicine or this this one. How do you think which one is the best for you?
0: But you know, Agile is not medicine (laughs) and never be.
1: But to to some of the dysfunctions, it helps. It gives you tools to at least start addressing them.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: And uh, it's a tool to, of course, with, with all of that, Uh, overall but agile lean doesn't matter whatever you use it can be freestyle but all the processes they are designed to solve some of the problem they're not designed to be in place just to be in place otherwise let's not have them
0: yeah i mean i i think that's uh we're we're still i think leaning on the idea that problem solving tools and then working with the psychological stuff And I think what I'm taking from what you're describing, there's always the balance. And then there's always the question of what the customer or client needs. And I think that there there are circumstances where you just have to provide ibuprofen. And if if that's the case, we can do that. But ibuprofen, it's still just a pain relief. It will not solve the problem. And I think it's important that our customers would understand that, okay, now what I'll be providing It will be pain relief, but it will not solve the problem. Is it okay for you? And maybe some client will say, yes, it's okay for me. But then another client might say, no, we want to solve the problem. And then, okay, guys, guys, sorry. Okay, people. So then the procedure is different. And it's not only about problem solving, about technique. Now we are talking about wishy-washy, about trust, about safety, about Educating managers about uh, all that interesting stuff—at least for me, you know—but now but, I disagree with you. Go ahead. Even,
1: May- even, even uh, with a psychologist, uh, psychotherapy. When the person comes in bad situation, first thing you do is stab- stabilize him or her.
0: Now only
1: I'll... after Stop. that you start working with him.
0: Okay, but that's that's also an assumption that. Some, some clients, they come in pain. Let's say they are in stress, they are panicky, they are in grief. So my job is not to jump into doing something on them. My job first is to try listen on the one hand and then try to explain what is going on with them, why they are feeling why they might be feeling the way they are feeling and then i try to contract okay look so there's a quick solution and then there's a long solution both are okay now what do you think might work for you i feel it this but i want to know what you think and some clients will tell that oh it's just a i'm on PMS. i mean i'm just feeling bad right now and might be, might be panicky but it it will pass it passed many times so it's just a stage I, I already feel that i'm feeling better when i'm talking to you we can work on a long-term solution so the problem what many psychotherapists do they believe that they know what is better for a customer but in my ideological thinking biased thinking it's always important to include the client and i think that this idea works in every situation where just try to explain what you're thinking of doing and just getting the consent of the person what they would like to do and if let's say they want ibuprofen they want that quick mindfulness we will do quick mindfulness if they want something else and they okay with that so i try to respect that because they are adult people you know so but you know i'm not a clinical psychologist maybe a clinician would say i'm a doctor and i will treat you but i'm not a doctor so i cannot take this role
1: Yeah, but teams are not, even though that we say like each team has to decide team at the end of the day, all the organization, they are uh, established to deliver some value. And if I see dysfunctional team, sometimes we don't feel that we have a luxury to give team to decide, do you want to stay dysfunctional and work on the essence of that for half a year? Or should we fix that faster? Like, no, you don't have because it's money. It's a product. It's your reputation. It can be many things. Because team at the end of the day, or the person within the organization uh, who is not capable to deliver or can even do the harm, it's not anymore your personal will. If you are a team lead and, or, or a director and you are like feeling super bad, you should either do something with that or not to work because simply you are making an impact to lots of people. Uh, or if you are an engineer developer on some critical part of the system, which may result in like ending up the company. So for me, that's it's a little bit different. That first of all, you need to stabilize the team and to assure that they can do first steps and then, of course, build on top of that. So sometimes it's not the discussion. Uh, you can have that with maturity has some of the dysfunctions, but if the it depends on the situation criticality as always on the context of course. But uh, I do believe that that um, um, for agile coaches, for managers, for uh, even senior engineers, uh, it's very hard nowadays when uh, any direct leading or telling what to do is uh, overall treated as evil and that you're a micromanager and you're like, uh, and you're controlling, control freak, whatever. So everybody tries to delegate and coach in terms of like direct people to some level of consciousness without just telling them very openly. And then it frustrates people because every person even who's not an expert and never studied anything feel when he is manipulated towards some of the answers. Yeah, but
0: Alena, we already, I think, covered this, that we're not trying to find the one solution. It's binary thinking. Uh, it's like, okay, now I'm being fully coach. I'm being fully manager. It's we're looking for something in the middle. I, I think that what we agreed on is that you have to be able in certain circumstances, be a coach, and in circumstances as you said to be a manager and you know just because certain people believe that now they have to use this particular solution for every single case that's also a problem you know and doesn't have to be that way and you know and i think i still think that we are not disagreeing because i think that uh when you when you are talking about teams you know usually when a team coach is hired the first person you're talking is not the team. It's usually maybe the manager, it can be also an HR. And this is where I'm explaining, this is where I'm contracting and saying that, look, uh, we can do that ibuprofen or quick solution, but here are the possible consequences. As you you mentioned that people can, for example, if there's bullying and we are not addressing bullying, it will have consequences. if there are problems with delivery you will have problems with your customer possibly you are not experts possibly right and still that you provide space for the customer uh to make the decision and take responsibility and if we are taking this you know uh, maybe it's my value you know personal responsibility if we are putting ourselves into a father or mother figure when we are coaches consultants or whatever we're not talking to adults anymore we're doing something else and i still think that doctors are doctors and maybe it might be bad metaphor for certain psychologists especially coaches and even more trainers maybe but yeah i mean as you said not every problem should be solved with coaching. I mean, it's preposterous. It's just, it's just now fashionable, and everyone, everyone, just trying to be fashionable. And it's not about fashion. It's about well-being, I guess. Results.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just adding on top that this is problem not of just agile coaches. Yeah. But, uh, that we should not be afraid nowadays to. Something uh, to direct people it doesn't matter yes. in which role, whether we are an engineer, manager, agile coach, whoever. Exactly. Uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, sometimes, of course, there, there is a balance, but then full delegation and uh, g- giving people space to find the answer, uh, but uh, very giving the answers, it's still a tool which is necessary and which shouldn't be lost.
0: So let's go to a different topic. So basically what we're discussing, it's, it's advanced level, I think. So for managers, trainers to be able to contract properly, to ask proper questions, understand where you should be a facilitator, where you should be a coach. It's like a meta knowledge that you usually gather through training, especially experience, right? And that main experience is, working with yourself working with your own self your own demons your own problems if you don't you, if you are not aware that you are, you have a pushy quality about yourself it probably will affect your contracting ability your ability to listen if you are not aware that you were bullied let's say you might be unaware of your skepticism about people your insecurities and your project, Tech Kinship, I think it's the it's it's trying to work from the bottom up. It's trying to work on the root cause, try to help people be more aware of their emotions, try to help them address these emotions in those difficult conversations. I think it's like that core foundational work that should have been done if we haven't been occupied by Soviet Union or russian empire in the past and now we have to like bootstrap ourselves from that so when we talk about tech tech kinship and we talk about the future of our tech community in lithuania maybe in the world in general so what's like the end goal for this what you're doing how would you describe the vision
1: So our vision is that uh, anyone uh, across the globe uh, in our tech community, that it's uh, so mature and so diverse. Just a second. I will mute myself and tell my...
0: Uh, You were in the director mode, right?
1: Yes, I was in the mode telling that uh, no, you cannot. uh, I I will not unlock, uh, unlock your iPad and send you all the games. And now please, as we agree, follow our agreement. <laughs> and it's not an epic time now. Uh, yeah, uh, I was in, 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 in the erect mode. So um, uh, coming back to attack kinship. So our uh, end goal is uh, actually to make sure uh, that uh, in the community we have place for everyone and that every person doesn't matter Uh, what uh, kind of role uh, or background uh, he, she has, uh, has a place where we can grow each other professionally and emotionally. Because right now lots of focus is put on being professional, but a big part of professional is being emotional and those are things uh, not really separable. And what we understand that true diversity, uh, it starts from inclusion and getting the point that Sometimes there is no such straightforward answer and understanding why certain things happen. It's not even that I should not uh, be okay if someone is shouting at me or that I'm not okay that I'm uh, being bullied, but as well to understand why the people who sometimes do that, do that. How, where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. Like what, what are their emotions? Because sometimes it's easier to help other people to change or point it out or uh, grow together uh, when uh, you don't have just anger and blocking reaction, but just helping them to understand. Because uh, for me, one of very interesting uh, interesting examples was the lady who who was sharing, actually, uh, that all her life, uh, she was being treated as too emotional, but uh, emotional not in that sad sense when you are very vulnerable. But on the other hand, she has lots of energy, and she is being considered as angry or pushy or like those emotions which are, uh, let's say, so making uh, feel you uh, uncomfortable in the sense that you're like feel like being pushed. Mm-hmm. And she was sharing. Uh, that uh, when she gets lots of such feedback, and then she comes like very focused, not to show any. She seems to others even madder, <laughs> even even worse, even more angry. And when you listen to her story, you kind of understand what's behind. That when and and then next time when she shows some of the emotion, you don't look at, you don't think of, uh, anymore that it's about you, but just your. Like putting, you know, I'm uncomfortable with this level and because I feel, and and it helps to regulate. So uh, the whole initiative is about helping to have conversations about the topics and not to put right or wrong, but understand where it's coming from, how it's called, what's happening with each person. Uh, For example, next time we have about the parenting and we already had such a discussions event, even didn't ever happen. But uh, there is now a push that every man who doesn't go on parental leave feels bad, like, oh, no, you are, I don't know, harming your lady and not allowing to make her career choices. On uh, the opposite, some of the women who return back to work after a few months, they are being judged that you're like, you're not a mother, a need, kid needs a child. And actually, when you hear for all those stories, you understand that there are so many solutions the same question that there is no right or wrong and there is no single solution for all the problems and that's exactly the vision of tech kinship is to help people build the competences to help people understand what's going on with me uh how do i uh, uh how do i assess what's going on with me should i go for help and even in uh, almost in each of the session we talk that it's okay to go to therapy and that every person is uh, advised to go to therapy in a certain point to understand things about himself or herself. So um yeah for us it's more uh starting to uh, legitimize even the conversation about emotion yeah, and it. that if I talk to you as a leader that I say like probably you know I feel that like I'm being burned out. I want to have that conversation. Am I? And what should I do with that? Yeah. And that it would be a normal conversation between manager and uh, employee.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. So essentially what I'm hearing is uh, uh, when 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 I was listening to, I, I, I was thinking about the concept of emotional intelligence. And the way I understand emotional intelligence is usually like from theory, it, these are four things. So one thing is understanding your own emotions your own experience um then understanding the experience of others others emotions and then being able to use this information to manage relationships essentially and uh, what i'm doing mostly in my practice is oftentimes about understanding one's emotions and i think it's like a very also foundational for being able to express them and oftentimes the problem is that we start with expression without starting with ourselves so i think that in tech kinship it seems that you're trying to go from different angles for people who don't know uh, these are like certain events that you organize and they are somewhat experiential because people can participate as well as well it's not that it's a you know Panel discussion where only talking, experts talking, people can participate in different ways. You all also told me that you try to use a different concept for every event, which is also amazing. Now, I still see that we have some time, and it's something that I wanted to talk to you before our conversation. So, if after this bit we will say that it's inappropriate, I will cut it and maybe leave it for future premium members of this podcast, but still I would like to discuss this topic and the topic, if it's okay for you. So the topic is diversity and inclusion. And I would like to tell you a short story that happened recently. So in one of my podcasts, uh, uh, with one of the uh, conversational partners, guests, we were talking about the representation of uh, men and women or male identified or female identified people in the tech community we didn't use the word identified we used men women and um, and my idea was that uh, in this particular complex world like today uh, male and female are more like personality concepts like introversion maybe extroversion dichotomous personality concepts that they better be integrated in yourself to be successful in your work life and personal life so feminine or masculine these are connotative terms that carry certain stereotypes and some are good some are bad but basically according to Jung if you are able to integrate them if you're being able to be soft and harsh when you need to when you need when you're able to I don't know care about people as well as about things you will be more successful and when i was discussing that i felt so innocent i felt that now i'm talking like a feminist and i'm saying correct things that i believe in and i actually believe in them and after and my guest also he he's a man he's a male identified heterosexual white man he also didn't seem worried about that and after that conversation i got feedback that the way I was describing this bit it was not inclusive and the reason it was not inclusive because I was talking about males and females without addressing that there are people who are non binary and I see this as a mistake on my part because indeed there are people who don't identify with these um, in my understanding psychological understanding stereotypical dichotomous personalities And in my view, non-binary is about that young idea, but nevertheless, for that person who gave feedback, it seemed not inclusive. And when I looked at certain of your events, you talked about, let's say, uh, they cry uh, like they, men, and they, like women in Lithuania, it's like different pronouns. They, They, men cry, women shout. Or maybe what men should not do or what they should do, what are the stereotypes? And then I thought that after getting that feedback, man, that also seemed not inclusive in that idea, because we're not talking about people who do not identify with these qualities. And then I, you know, I had this discussion that, okay, what is diversity inclusion? What is, what is, uh, what are these concepts? And what could, what is the correct way to go about them? What, what is good what is not good and then i look back at what is going on in the states where these discussions are especially sensitive and people get into trouble for in in the in, in the sense innocent first wave feminist thinking which is according to some people dated and it's already not okay so that's a difficult question now uh and as i said we will be able to cut it if you if you don't feel okay would you say that for this particular reason, tech kinship is not inclusive enough?
1: I'd say, I don't see this uh, like this uh, because they, even our events, they aim to, in their namings uh, to be opposite to the major stereotypes and to address them because uh, like women Shouts, man cries. It's actually usually we tell differently that it's like man. But Alona,
0: just stop. Again. Yeah, but, be... and then yeah,
1: and I understand that there is no binary there. Uh, but um, for me, it's uh, uh, we still think in the we still think in the concept uh, more in tech kinship. Uh, the way you describe that, that there are some uh, masculine energy over, over um behaviors and feminine and yes it's historically like that and even here we're so far away from understanding that uh, for that that's where we start and you can tell that maybe it's not inclusive but even in our language it's hard to include that Uh, very similar is uh, with the job ad yesterday i posted and I posted with the uh, first female description, and then man, and we got into the long discussion that according to the our language, the regulation, it should be masculine first, and then feminine, like ending in the in the gap. So um, uh, my honest, uh, uh, like very honest and personal opinion is that. Uh, We can uh, tell people and get feedback that they're not inclusive, but uh, on the other hand to help uh, frame that and and be inclusive and it's a learning curve. We're still in this century around uh, discussing how correctly frame masculine and feminine. And this is for our society, it's a very new concept at all. So for me, it's a natural curve that we are learning that, uh, and um, I would not be so harsh on that.
0: Yeah, uh, I hear what you're saying. And uh, when you say society, I mean, it depends on how we define society, if we talk about lithuanian society that's one thing but if we talk about global society that's a totally different thing and uh, young people or our age people or whatever we are also affected by trends in other countries in our like in, in in the united states in the united kingdom or maybe our english-speaking countries and there are certain trends where for example uh certain even language constraints on put, for example, in Canada to use certain pronouns to address people. And, you know, um, there is room for that opinion, I guess, according to a certain group of people that Lithuanian language is sexist in this particular manner. And uh, now, if we want to be inclusive, we should look for workarounds. And uh, I understand that if we are on a learning curve, it would be maybe unnatural to go straight to the modernist point and there's arguments to be made by conservative people but there are people who say that okay if it's a trend somewhere it should be a trend in our country and and in a way talking about a male versus female what should men do what should female do it it might seem maybe modern like first wave feminist thinking but for some people it might be already old-fashioned and outdated you know and uh, it goes also about you know not only gender identity, but any other identity that is not represented properly maybe in our in our society, in our country. So you know it, uh, it's not like an advice or something, but it would be interesting uh, one day in tech kinship to see this topic also addressed about sexuality, and gender identity. It would be great to hear people who also maybe also uh, are lgd lgbtq plus uh members members strange or maybe who identify with this particular acronym and hear their side you know and what they would say about men and females and where they put themselves in these discussions and i think it would be also very inclusive but not from the idea that to play the political correctness card and the uh, actually the way I phrased political correctness card for some people might seem derogatory. So I I follow American culture and it's it's a bit different story over there, but I'm very mindful that and saying very clearly that I'm an open-minded person and I tolerate towards anyone. At the same time, for me, inclusion and diversity is about making mistakes and learning from them and being curious and not following a certain strict way of speaking or not speaking you know and because your your community is working with not comfortable topics i think this this is one of those elephants that might be could be addressed and i'm sure that there would be very interesting discussions and there yeah, yeah. Discussion. we will
1: have events actually even this year about uh, uh, being different and uh, you can mm. be different in in many ways it's about uh, having the, uh, identifying yourself as binary, or it could be uh, being the one on the team who has some disease, very serious yeah. illness. It could be the one being uh, from abroad uh, and working with the team who are own native speaker. So we plan such events. Um, uh, but uh, what I noticed with the um, women go somewhere and women do something uh, events, that they do not create inclusion actually they create competition and they strengthen and usually that particular group identity, like myself as being a woman. And why would the tech kinship not women and something? Uh, because I said that in my, in, in this community, in my community, which I plan to create and establish together with others, they will not be a word women. Why? Because it's it's already like, would you go uh, yeah but who would welcome men yeah would you go to the meeting called gentlemen's club no why because you don't expect that you belong there yeah. so um, all those um, namings were um, fighting for their rights they are very good in certain states but later on uh, with our community we seek to build bridges uh, and that's why I am maybe more Uh, change my tone as well because Mm. I was the one who was uh, previously too uh, more inclusive in that terms that every other gender feels uncomfortable as well when for example uh, we say like uh, men do something against women or real men don't do that and this topic is was about like that there is no such thing as real man, and there are so many expectations uh, put on them that we wanted to dedicate uh, event to show how complex nowadays to be a man, actually, because you have so many expectations uh, to be the one who actually had all those, uh, uh, I don't know, capabilities mm. of uh, 15th century like to be strong to be decisive to fight like i don't know to bring uh, uh home uh the elephant yeah, and yeah so but there
0: there are now women who are the same as well having exactly
1: on the other hand we expect from men as well to be uh very empath uh, uh, with lots of empathy uh, very caring, uh, help at home, raise kids. So it's actually all those expectations were used, to, which used to be, and then all the <laughs> new qualities on top. And then it's like, hey, hello, it's hard as well. Uh, so I always encourage to look what's behind the idea, not how we phrase that, and be right. uh, like even educate us how to phrase that inclusively to everybody.
0: Yeah, I guess yeah, it's natural yeah.
1: that uh, of course we're all, re- all learning and I, I would even have a hard time to phrase that in the correct way sometimes
0: Yeah, and and I think that's the most important part, being mindful of what we're doing, why we're doing as we discussed previously and the why is important and uh, being open to mistakes and saying incorrect things and that's how we learn and maybe some people might disagree that We should get it tried immediately, but that's, I think, an illusion. So I see that our time is running out, Alona. So uh, as a final note, a bit briefly, and I will want to talk to you a bit after our conversation because we will have to discuss, we want to include that bit. So what would be your final suggestion to people, final remark, final wisdom you might provide? What would it be like in a few sentences? Very
1: easy question. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, On the all uh, things which we talked about, uh, I'd say that uh, being very conscious uh, about uh, your emotions, whatever causes your emotions, whether it's an agile coach, or diversity topics, so, or anything uh, to understand uh, what uh, what other topics which uh, hit you harder than others. Uh, and um, uh, as well, uh, catch the words uh, where you usually uh, associate yourself with being something you don't like to. For example, mm. uh, in Lithuanian, uh, I catch myself that when I tell uh, oh, well, I will do that. No, <laughs> So it's actually usually my way, and I would say 90% of people way uh, of telling that, okay, I will do that, but I don't like that. And uh, to catch such words uh, and at least understand that you're doing a favor, actually, you're not doing something you're willing. Or uh, when I say, well, I'm used to it, I can do that again. Uh, and used to it's usually we're used more to beating <laughs> rather than something uh, nice. So to try to figure out in your vocabulary, because words are very strong things. Uh, what, uh, what are the uh, words which tells you that you're doing something against your will? Uh, and especially in these times when we have record high, all times high stress levels at work, uh, be very conscious about the things which add to your battery and which uh, removes your battery about the topics uh, uh, which uh, help you uh, actually feel better or, on the other hand, make you feel much worse and be very conscious in these days about uh, your personal well-being because lots of, lots of people were lost behind the team concept because sometimes there is a feeling that team is some unit which we measure in organizations, in, I don't know, happiness setup and engagement rating, but the team is a composition of individuals. And even though we have managers, agile coaches who work with the teams a lot as well, at the end of the day, it's each of us' accountability to take care about ourselves, to voice what's wrong with us, to be conscious about what we do with this and its organizations are not about the teams at the end of the day, they are about personalities and that uh, each of us has accountability for our personality level and speak up what's not working.
0: Organizations are about personalities and each one of us have accountability. Amen, I would like to say here. Thanks, Alona for being here. It was a wonderful time. I hope you enjoyed it as well. I hope to see you here as well once again in the future. There's still ground to cover. I think we covered like 40% of that. But still, thank you, Alona, that you're here. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening. See you next time. See you.